Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Monday, the 7th of December, 2020. Have you had enough politics yet in 2020? Well, if you think that American politics is crazy, let me introduce you to some of the politics that Daniel had to deal with. Let's talk about some of the nations and the political upheaval and turmoil that was experienced by the Jewish people in these times in the ancient world. And what I want us to see is then, like now, there is a king that is greater than all the kingdoms of the earth. Let's look today at Daniel chapters 7 and 8. Now, in both of these chapters, we see visions including these creatures, and we clearly understand that these creatures, these animals that are depicted here, are meant to symbolize nations and empires that really existed in the ancient world. And it starts in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel has this vision of uh, these, these different creatures, and it starts there with this lion that had eagle's wings. And we see later that's uh, clearly meant to, um, and from history, we understand this is meant to symbolize the Babylonian empire uh, led by King Nebuchadnezzar there for a long time. And then we see this bear kind of raised up on one side. And and that is meant to symbolize the Medes and the Persians. Then that's the empire that takes out the Babylonians. And then we see a leopard that has four wings and that's meant to symbolize the, the Greeks who are basically going to take over the world for, with this guy named Alexander the Great. And then the four heads that we talk about, well, Alexander the Great doesn't live very long. And, and so that Greek empire is quickly broken up into four pieces. And we'll see more about that in some of these other visions, but we also see it as we research ancient history. And, and then finally, there's this fourth beast that he describes as terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong with great iron teeth. We think that's referring to the Roman Empire. And uh, even there, we start to see hints from the end of the chapter as well that that one of these horns that we see uh, is really going to be who many Christians would refer to eventually as the Antichrist, someone, a political leader, even in the end times that will have this power. And we even see some references to it. We're going to see connections between um, what we're reading in Daniel and some of the things that we'll get to in uh, the book of Revelation. But even when it talks about a time, times, and half a time, kind of this three and a half year period um, that will come in the tribulation, referring to that. And then chapter eight, we we, we see a ram, which again, I think is referring to the the Medo-Persian empire, and then a goat. Uh, that's going to symbolize Alexander the Great and the Greeks. But in the midst of all this, and again, your, your eyes might be glazing over as I'm talking about all these kingdoms, just like your eyes might be glazing over what, when you're thinking about Trump, Biden, and wait, wasn't the election over a month ago? Shouldn't we be done talking about this? But no, it's still pressing on. I, I don't know what your perspective is on all of that. But what I want us to see from Daniel today is in the midst of all this political chaos, There is something to be seen, something to be noticed. And that's where we see that in the middle of Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9. It says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. 
His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Here we see God seated as a judge on the throne and even the beast that's so terrifying is is killed and the dominion is taken away and then we see in verse 13 i saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. We know who that's talking about. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And even every time Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, Don't think, oh, look at Jesus. He's being so humble and he's emphasizing his humanity. No, he's not. Did you remember the phrase that's used here in Daniel 7? I saw one like a son of man. And he's the one that's given this kingdom. That's what Jesus is claiming when he claims to be the son of man. And what we see here is a king that far above the most you know, terrible kings of the earth and and the fearful political situations that we can see on this planet. Jesus Christ has a kingdom that will never pass away. And if your faith is in Christ, we're going to be a part of that kingdom. We are a part of that kingdom. And I hope that brings us some encouragement today as we continue to look out at the the chaos of the world, the chaos of the political system, and and, uh, whether that's locally or nationally or internationally, all of these things. And, And Daniel, he lived in some very politically tumultuous times. But the Ancient of Days is on the throne. And one like a son of man, Jesus Christ, he is going to return. He is going to reign on this earth. And as Christians, there is no way that we can possibly think too much about that reality. We need more and more to think about what our God is, who he is, and what he's going to do through Jesus Christ in the kingdom that he has that will endure forever. And I hope that encourages us and raises our sights today. But one of the other things that I want us to see as we dig into God's word together today is this king that is so high, this king that is so lifted up, he promises to be very near to us. He promises to be close to us. First, let's look at Psalm 139 and verses 17 through 24. Psalm 139, 17 through 24. And again, he's been thinking about how near God is, how there's no place he can go from God's presence, how even when he was in his mother's womb, God was forming him. And it kind of goes to this um, to, to this just praise and, and just he, he just explodes with worship in verse 17 when he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. See, he, he just finds it so wonderful that God knows him, that God is intimately acquainted with him. 
And then he finds some comfort in that, even as he cries out, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. And here we kind of see all of it coming together. When we look out at the kingdoms of the world, we see wicked people doing wicked things. And we can cry out to this God. We can cry out to the Ancient of Days because the Ancient of Days has promised to be near to us. And so the nearness of God can be a comfort to us as we consider the wickedness in the world. And we can cry out to God that he will do something about it. But also, this all leads to some humility. And we see that at the end of Psalm 139 when he prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, as we think about that, it's critical for us to see, hey, as we think about this king, as we think about this ancient of days, as we think about this son of man, there's no way for us to think about the son of man and come out of it feeling great about ourselves. We should be humbled. When we think about the king on his throne, we should start saying, whoa, wow, can I stand before the king? And we know ultimately that happens through the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, but it should cause us to say, God, search me, know my heart, and cause us to to be humble before God. And even with that suspicion of ourself, God, show me if there's sin that I'm not thinking about in my life. And that's a good thing for us to pray today. That's really a good thing for a Christian to pray every day. When Jesus taught us to pray, One of the things he told us was, God, forgive us our sins. We should be examining our own heart and we should be praying this to God each and every day. Also, as we think about Jesus, this son of man promising to be near us, we think about that in John chapter 14 as we finish the chapter with verses 15 through 31. And here we see Jesus promising the Holy Spirit to his followers. He says in verse 16, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And you drop down to verse 25. It says, these things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy spirit whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you there. I think even that's a, Jesus is saying, talking about the the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is going to help them remember and and write the things that they were eyewitnesses of and to pass that along. And then verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so as we think about that, we we understand that there that God has given us the spirit. Cause we look and we're like, man, I wish the son of man was right here right now, fixing all this messed up junk that is going on in the world. I wish Jesus was here to stop every disease and stop every government that, that's not doing the right thing and, and to set up a reign of righteousness on this planet. Well, he is not, but he has not left us as orphans. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And that It should help us to know the truth through the word of God, but also it should bring us peace, peace that the world doesn't even know, peace that the world cannot understand. So I hope that everything we're looking at today, from from thinking about the Son of Man to contemplating nations and kingdoms, to realizing how near God is to us, and specifically how near he is through giving us the Holy Spirit, that that gives us peace in our own hearts, in our own lives.
Finally, we look at Revelation chapter 10 today. Revelation chapter 10, a shorter chapter where um, he sees a vision of an angel and he eats a scroll. Now, two things I want us to note from this passage. One, we have to remember as we study eschatology, we cannot, we will not know everything. And this is a good example because John hears something. He hears these trumpets and, and, and these voices and, and these, you know, these thunders is, is what he, how he describes them. And then the voice from heaven says, hey, no, 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 no. Don't write that down. So there, God is specifically saying, hey, there's some things I don't want to tell people now, right? So when we think about eschatology, we have to understand there are some things that we're not going to know because God has chosen not to reveal everything about the future to us. So that's a helpful uh, little check to us in our curiosity, right? Um, but then we, we see something, we see John eating this little scroll and it it says it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. Now, I think if we think about it for long enough, we should all be able to relate to that. Because when we read Revelation and we see Jesus coming back, man, that should be sweet as honey in our mouths. But when we do consider the intensity of these, these judgments, well, that, that should bring some, some bitterness, right? That, that, should, that shouldn't sit well in our stomach, so to speak. So I think that's really some of the symbolism of what's going on there, that even as we think about eschatology, there's a sweetness to it, but there's also a bitterness to it. Um, and, and so we'll experience both of those things, but I hope for us as Christians that there is a sweetness Um, that really comes from knowing the ancient of days and the son of man who is going to receive this kingdom that will never fade away. And as we start a new week on this Monday, I hope our eyes are fixed on the heavens and our savior who is going to return. And may that bring us peace, knowing that he is near to us right now today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.